for coming back, and I'm excited to talk to some of you that I didn't see this morning. I think some of you might have been in nursery or just not able to be here. So my name is Sarah Goodman. I am a missionary on deputation to the Amazon Basin of Brazil. I'm also a medical missionary. I've been a registered nurse for almost three years now. I graduated in 2020. Uh, COVID was my graduation present. That's what I got to start in as a nurse, so it was scary times. Um, so I actually, just to share a little bit more detail about my testimony, how I got saved, um, I was born and raised in a good Christian home. My mom was going to church. My dad had a good Christian background. He was attending as well. And so growing up, you know, in my little mind, I assumed, you know, I know all these Bible stories. I go to church every day. Um, that's all that I really knew. And so I just assumed, you know, of course I'm a Christian. Why wouldn't I be a Christian? This is all that my family's about. This is all that I know. And so I was about seven years old, and I went to a Christian summer camp for the first time. And I remember sitting there that first night terrified because this pastor comes up, and he starts preaching about hell. And I had only ever really heard about heaven before. I didn't really know that there was an opposite to that. And so he was preaching about, you know, how to know for sure you're going to heaven. And he really emphasized that it's a personal decision. It's not something your parents can make for you. It's not something you can be born into. And so that was really when it clicked that, you know, I, I need a personal relationship with Jesus. I can't rely on whatever my parents are doing and, you know, being in a Christian home. So at that summer camp, Mount Zion Baptist Camp, in Visalia, California. I trusted Christ as my Savior, and in that same camp, was such a blessing because that following year was when God really started working on my heart about missions. Um, there was a very sweet couple that came and they would do missionary stories every single morning. Every morning was like a new chapter of the same missionary's life. And so that was the first thing we got in the morning. And I remember that just being the best part of my day. I looked forward to those stories so much. And that really gave me such a love for storytelling, but also just for missions in general. I didn't have a specific country. It was kind of like whatever missionary came to my church, I would think that's the country. So wherever they were from, that's where I wanted to go. But it wasn't an actual conviction. It was just, you know, you get caught up in the thrill of the moment. Of course, I want to go to Germany. Of course, I want to go to Africa. You're going, I'll go with you. But it wasn't from God. It was just, you know, that desire was there, but it wasn't a conviction. I didn't know where God wanted me. And so at the same time, God was giving me that desire for missions. He was also giving me a love for medicine. Uh, my mom tells a story that apparently she took me to one of her lab draw appointments when they're drawing her blood, and this little tiny person is staring up at the lab tech watching the whole thing, and my, they asked my mom, like, are you sure you want your daughter watching this? Like, that she should be scared, right? So I loved medical things. I thought it was the coolest thing in the world, and so I didn't know what I wanted to do with that, but I knew I liked to put it with missions. Some of the missionaries that I learned about were missionaries specifically that used medicine as a way to share the gospel or as a way to help the people that they were trying to reach. So that's kind of where I was coming from. I wanted missions. I wanted medicine. I wanted to do them together somehow. But I still didn't have a country. And so if we fast forward um, many, many years, I'm not that old, but it feels like I'm old sometimes. Um, I was halfway through nursing school, 2019, and I was feeling very confused, very discouraged. I was really questioning you know, does God want me involved in missions? Does he even want me in nursing school? Because I still didn't have a plan. I didn't know how to put those two things together. 
And so halfway through nursing school, that summer break, I went on a missions trip to Brazil. It's actually the same place that I'm planning to go back to, so the Amazon River Basin. And I went there for the first time. It was the first time I had ever traveled alone, the first time I'd ever really flown on a plane. Um, it was pretty scary, but it was very exciting. And so I went on this trip, and it was a medical missions trip. So there were some doctors, there were some nurses, and they really teamed up with the missionaries there. And the other people in our group that didn't have medical experience, they kind of split into two halves. So the medical side, the missionary side. And so while people were coming to, you know, get medical care in these tiny little Amazon fishing villages, you know, they're waiting for their little numbers to be called. And while they're waiting, you know, they're hearing the gospel and Portuguese, they're hearing it in Spanish, the two languages of the Amazon, and they're getting a chance to hear the gospel, a lot of them for the very first time. Because in these Amazon villages, it's invitation only. So you don't just show up at a village and, you know, start whatever you're going to start. You have to be invited there by the leadership of that village. And so sometimes the only way to get that invitation is to have something to offer. So in this case, the group was offering a medical clinic, free medical care, free checkups, um, some free medications, all of that. So these people were coming for the medical care, but they were staying because they wanted to hear the gospel. They wanted to hear about, you know, the Bible, Jesus. They loved the Bible in their own language, and they were amazed to get that. So, you know, in my mind, I'm not even finished with nursing school, but God is finally giving me that peace that, you know, this is how to use medicine with missions. You're using it as a tool to help people. You know, you can help their physical bodies, but you're helping their spiritual selves just as much. Um, Jesus' miracles on healing are some of my favorite because I really see how he used that ministry of healing as a way to help people spiritually. He was trying to get them to think about their spiritual need for healing as he's healing their bodies. So I finished that missions trip. I was really, I loved, I was just enthralled by it. I knew that's what I wanted to do, but I was not ready to make a full commitment. In my mind, I had it split down the middle. I thought, you know, I can be a nurse back home. I can work a normal job. I can do all the things and I can go on short-term trips. So my now mission board, BIMI, they do short-term trips in the summertime. And so I thought, you know, of course I can go in the summer. I can do as many of those trips as possible. And then I'll come back to the stability of home and just work a normal job. I can do both things, but I can do them separately. I thought that would be enough. But as I graduated nursing school and I started working full-time um, night shift at one of the hospitals in Reno, I was just miserable. I knew it wasn't what God wanted me to do. I knew I wasn't fulfilled. I was very discouraged, getting very, um, even I would say depressed because it was just, it was such a hectic job and I knew it wasn't what God wanted from nursing. I was helping people, but I wasn't helping them spiritually in any way. And so for about a year, I really struggled with that decision. I thought, you know, I have the summer to look forward to. I can't wait for the next trip. I'm going back. But I knew it wasn't enough to go on those short-term trips. It was kind of like I was at war with myself. I was trying to share myself with two different halves, and you can't do that. You're just going to get pulled apart. And so about a year or so, in 2021, I went back again to Brazil, and that same year I went to a missions conference hosted by my mission board, and God really started convicting me that I was using my fear as that excuse of why I wouldn't surrender to full-time missions. I was thinking, you know, it's not logical. I don't have a plan. I can't plan out, you know, how am I going to get to Brazil? How am I going to pay for this? How am I going to live there? Am I going to go alone? And so because I had all those questions, I was using my fear as that big um, 
kind of crossroads. I wasn't ready to make that commitment because my fear was holding me back. And at that missions conference, I kept thinking about, you know, those villages in the Amazon and thinking about how fulfilled I was when I was there, but also how miserable I was at my secular job where, you know, I was doing all the nursing, I was doing all the things, but I felt so dead inside because it wasn't any spiritual value. It was just the physical body. It wasn't spiritual. So um, in 2021, I made that commitment after that missions conference that I don't have all the answers. I can't give an exact plan for every single thing, but I will commit to keep going forward into full-time missions. I will make that commitment to be a full-time missionary to the Amazon in Brazil. And so last summer, I was approved with my mission board, BIMI. They're out of Harrison, Tennessee. And I'm actually the first medical missionary going to this specific region. Um, they do have medical missionaries in Africa, but none of them have actually gone full-time to the Amazon. And so I'm very, very excited. They're very supportive. And my goal is when I get down there is to work with three missionary families to help with their churches. They have about three churches between them, and they're really working on establishing their Bible college. But one of the main projects is they want to start a medical clinic connected to their church and their Bible college. So it's going to be a big outreach tool. Because right now, when we go on these short-term trips to do these medical clinics, it's a great push in the summer. We do all of this outreach in the summertime because that's when the volunteers can come. But the rest of the year, a lot of those villages don't get visited again. And so what we can do is if we have a medical clinic there that's stocked and we have people working there full time, you know, in the church and the medical clinic, we can do those trips year round. And so we can follow up with those villages much, much more consistently and really get those good relationships with them. So my goal is to help with the medical side of things. But also, I didn't quite get a chance to share this this morning, but one of the biggest opportunities right now is the public school in Brazil, specifically in the Amazon area. They have a lot of really good little schools and what the teachers and principals are doing is they will invite people to come in and do English lessons or they call it giving testimonies. And what they really want is they want the children exposed to what they think is a very wealthy Western culture. They want their kids to have that experience and, you know, learn the English, learn about America, because they associate it with, you know, a higher standard of living and wealth and all of that. So they'll allow us to come in as a group and, you know, for an hour or two, just sit with the kids and have almost like a VBS. We can teach them songs. We can teach them Bible stories. We can teach them verses. We can talk to them very freely about the gospel and Jesus. And so one of the projects I really want to do down there is to start a Bible club consistently with the school. So instead of us just going maybe once or twice in the summer to a school, it would be, you know, we're in that school every single week, maybe one day a week. We're getting to know the kids. We're getting to know their families. They're getting to know us. We're able to really give them the gospel more than one time because for most of those kids, it's the first time they've ever heard it. So they're going to need to hear it a few times at least for it to make sense. So one of my goals is to have that Bible club consistently because it would be such a great tool to get into those Brazilian families because just like the churches here in America, you know, the kids, there's so much easier to reach the kids. If you can get the hearts of the children you know, they're going to come home and tell their parents all about it. And so it's such a great opportunity. Um, so I did want to share my missions verse. It's really the theme that God's given me for my ministry. And it's Psalm 67, verse 2, that thy way may be known upon the earth, thy saving health among all nations. So for me, this verse really encompasses both halves of my missionary desire. Because 
you know, I want them to know God's way. I want them to know that there's a better way. I want them to know the gospel. But at the same time, it talks about saving health. God doesn't want these people, you know, suffering physically. This area is a very, very poorly accessed region for health care. The Brazilian government actually is trying to pay doctors and nurses from their own country just to move into the state of Amazonas because there's such little access to healthcare there. It's very, very sad because a lot of those villages, they have their tribal traditions, they have, you know, they do a lot of herbal medicine. But on the last trip that we were at, there was actually a good handful of children that had extremely high fevers that were very, very sick. And their parents, they either didn't have the money to take them to the nearest hospital, which was about four hours away by boat, and then number two, they were terrified of the doctors because they had no idea what it was going to be like if they took their children to a hospital because they don't do that. So for these villages, there is a lot of physical health needs, but also at the same time, just like Jesus's earthly ministry, all those health needs point back to a spiritual health need. And so this verse is just very special to me. I first really stumbled upon it during one of those missions trips that I took in the past to Brazil. Um, I've been there about five times now since this last summer. And so this verse is very special to me because I feel like it really encompasses the entirety of what I want to do, help physically, but also help spiritually. And I've been practicing. I can actually say this in Portuguese. And I'm actually really glad that Miss Orlanda is not here because I don't want her to hear my horrible Portuguese accent. So if she's watching this later, she's going to correct me. Um, this verse in Portuguese is Que tu cahindo seja concido no terra, tua soji salvadora entre todos as nosois. And so the, for me, the beautiful thing is this verse is exactly the same in English and in Portuguese, it means the same thing. The gospel means the same thing to these people in the Amazon. It's not unique to America. It's not unique. You know, we've learned about the Jewish culture this morning more. You know, this gospel is the same for every single people group. And so to me, it's very special that God is no respecter of persons, just like he wants us to hear the gospel and the way that we understand it best. He wants the people of the Amazon to also get that gospel in the way that they can relate to it the most. Um, so that kind of summarizes my testimony, my ministry a little bit. And I don't know if, Pastor, would you like me to do the object lesson or would you like me to go straight to questions with you? Yeah, go ahead and do the object. Okay. Um, since it's directed to children, could I actually have the kids come and sit on the first row? Yeah, all of all you all you're doing is church kids down here in the front row. Yeah, sit on one. Um, one of the one of the things we asked her is to kind of give us an idea of some of the stuff that she's going to be doing on the field, other than sticking people with needles. Um, so this yes. is so she does object lessons for the kids and so on and so forth. So, so um, as far as like object lessons go, so when I talk about the public school ministry, that's a lot of what it will be like. So Bible stories, they'll get object lessons. They will get very consistent Bible teaching on a weekly basis. And then also I'll be working in those three churches. Uh, my goal is to not be confined to just one church in the Amazon. Because I'm a single missionary, it's very easy for me to be able to help with all of those churches to some extent. So my goal is to help with their children's ministry, but also their ladies' ministry as well. So teaching their ladies, helping their ladies' ministry, and discipleship. So I brought with me my basket. I'm going to probably go back and forth unless you have a microphone. Thank you, sir. Testing one, two, three. 
All right, testing, one, two, three. This is a good microphone. All right, so I brought with me my basket. Some of you guys this morning got to see this basket, and it's very special because this basket was made in the Amazon. So this was not from Hobby Lobby. This was not from Target. This was not from TJ Maxx. This basket was made by hand. How many of you guys can do arts and crafts? Some form of arts and crafts, yeah? What do you like to do? Say that one more time. I just like to draw pictures a lot. Very good. Would you say you're very patient? Like, can you sit down and draw a big picture? Yes. yes. So this basket, can you guys imagine how long it would take to make this basket? They made this by hand. They dried out the fibers from a plant called a yucca plant, and they wove them together, and they made this basket by hand. I have in my basket some papers because I want to tell you guys a quick story. The last time I was going to Brazil, I thought I was very prepared. I packed everything. I had a packing list. I had gone to the store. I had everything ready to go. I had two bags with me. One was just medical supplies. The other one was all of my clothes, all of my shoes, my bug spray, my sunscreen, all of those things. I got on the plane the next morning, and they kicked me off the plane. Can you believe that? It wasn't my fault. They told me it was because the bathroom was broken. So they kicked everybody off the plane, and they put everybody on another plane. But they didn't do a very important thing. They did not take my bags off of the plane. So all of my bags got shipped all the way to Tennessee without me. And I had to take a completely different flight the next morning. Now, I have with me a tiny little backpack, the clothes that I am wearing, and my money. Do you think I'm very prepared to go to the Amazon? No. That's not prepared at all. I was prepared. I had everything. And then everything was taken away from me at the last minute. Does that sound like a very good plan? No. I was very, very stressed. I was so worried because I thought, even if I can go to that next plane tomorrow morning and go to the Amazon, what am I going to wear? I can't wear one pair of clothes. I can't not have bug spray because I'm delicious. Mosquitoes love me. I think it's because I'm like vanilla flavored or something. They love me down there. So I thought, I have so much. I have nothing. I have to start completely over again. Everything I had packed was gone. I had to completely repack and repurchase a lot of things. And it was not a good time because it is now very late at night. Walmart apparently closes at 10 and it is 9.30 at night. So... I am running through the Walmart with a cart and my brother, and we are trying to get things together because I have to have a few things ready to go in the morning because my flight leaves super early. So what does this all have to do with my little basket? Well, can I give you this basket to hold? All right, you are a keeper of the basket. I'm going to read to you guys a quick verse in Colossians. In Colossians chapter 3. Verse 8, it says, but now ye also put off all these things. So this verse is telling us that God wants us to put off some things, to get rid of them, to get rid of them, to kick them out, to start over, scratch, get rid of them all, start over. He wants us to put off some things that he doesn't want in our life. So just like I lost my bags, I lost everything I thought I needed. I was so organized, you guys. 
it was beautiful. I had everything in that bag organized and it was all gone. I had to completely put off all of that stuff. It got taken away from me. I had to start over. Everything I thought I was prepared for was gone. So just like I lost all of that and it got taken away from me, it reminds me of this verse because God wants us to start over. He wants us to get rid of some things. Now, why do you think we should get rid of them though? Let's look in our basket. Can you pick out one of our papers? What does it say? Bad, bad com communication. Bad communications. All right, you guys, I'm going to kind of go around. Do you pick out one other one? Right, that says dishonesty. Dishonesty. Pride. Good job. And last one. Anger. Anger. Now, I didn't just make up those things. Those are actually in this verse. It says, And put ye also off all these things. Anger. We had that, right? Wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communications out of your mouth. So God is telling us what he wants us to get rid of. He wants us to get rid of our anger. He wants us to get rid of our bad communications. So that's things like saying God's name in vain. That's talking mean to each other. That's being angry, using angry words. I think somebody said pride. You guys all know what pride is, right? That's me. That's big I statements. That's I feel this way or I don't like that or I deserve better. Pride. Because look at now our basket's empty. Now we got all the bad stuff out of our basket. And was it all stuff we had to get rid of? Yeah. Do we want those ugly things in our basket? No. So just like I had to start over, lose everything in my suitcases, sometimes God has to empty our basket of those bad things. Those things we don't want. We don't want to be angry. We don't want to use angry words or bad words or prideful words. We want to have an empty basket because you guys know what? When our basket's empty, we can put some good things in there. Our good things are also able to fit in the basket, but sometimes we have to get rid of all the bad stuff because we can't always fit everything in there. We have to have room for the good things in our life. So go ahead and pick one. Love, charity. Long-suffering. Long-suffering. That was a big word. Good job. Kindness. Meekness. Meekness. Good job. Forgiveness. 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 Good job. So those are all things that God says in the next verse he wants us to put into our basket. It says, here we go. Let's see. And put ye on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another, even as Christ forgave you. And the last verse says, and above all these things, so everything we just listed, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. Now, all of that is to say, when we get those ugly things out of our basket and we start over, 
We let God put those good things in there instead. So things like forgiveness, because can we be very forgiving if we're angry all the time? No, if we're ready to fight, we're not ready to forgive. What about long-suffering? Long-suffering is being patient, even if something is taking a long time, or even if somebody's being so annoying. You ever have those people where they're just like, oh, please don't, just stop. When you're long-suffering, you're patient with them, even if they're not easy to be around. And that one that the Bible says is the most important is love and charity. And love isn't just like our love, because it's easy to love people if they're nice to us. Charity, though, is God's love. God's love is better than ours, because God's love loves people even when they're not very lovable. His love is better than our love because our love is going to run out. But if we have God's love, that doesn't run out. So you guys all got to see what we had to take out of our basket. And you guys all got to see what we have to put in our basket. And I'm going to tell you guys, my story has a good ending. Because not only did I get everything I needed for my trip to Brazil, but it was perfect. And when I got to Brazil, even though I had had to hurry and hurry and hurry at the store to try to get some things, Everything I had on that trip was exactly what I needed. I had the exact right shoes. I had the exact right clothes that kept me safe from the mosquitoes. I got new mosquito spray. I got brand new, um, just everything that I needed, God provided for it. I wasn't missing a single thing. So even though I was super duper stressed and I had to empty out everything and start over, I was really glad that God was able to provide every single thing that I needed. And the best part was... He provided it for me. I didn't actually have to pay for any of it. So when we empty ourselves out and we let God put those good things in, he will help us. He wants to give us those good things. Just like he refilled my suitcase, he will refill our basket with those good things we talked about. All right, let's put all of our good stuff back in. You can put the bad stuff in too. There you go. Thank you, guys. So... We have to be willing sometimes to let God empty us out because look how full that is. That's good and bad in there, all mushed together. So God wants us to empty ourselves out so we can put all the good stuff back inside. All right, Pastor. Okay, well, don't leave. Just You can set that down. Um, <clears throat> does any Before we get into my questions, does anybody have any questions? For Sarah. Yes, sir. Where did you go to nursing school? Um, in Reno, there's a community college, Trusty Meadows, TMCC. I did my associate of science there, and then I transferred all my prerequisites into the nursing program, and so I graduated from there as well. <clears throat> Anybody else? Um, I started out with like cardiac nursing, but I'm actually, my specialty is wound care. So I deal with all the bad skin infections, the bad surgical wounds, amputations, all the bad skin things. Um, that's my specialty. It's like arts and crafts, but it's people instead of art. <laughs> so I worked at Renown and then um, for the wound care, I worked in Carson Tahoe. Yes, sir. 
Yes. Not yet. They are currently buying property and getting all the legal things put together. Um, the goal is, though, they'll have it in the same area as their little Bible college, so it'll save, it'll share that property, which will make it easier because um, it'll all be right there. They don't have to buy separate properties. So um, the goal is to get the paperwork and legal things finalized and then to start work on the building. <laughs> Um, I don't quote me on this, but I believe that the property they're looking at does have building on it, and so it might be more of re refurbishing it and renovating it. Um, but there is a lot of construction material in that area, and so construction is actually one of the main jobs that a lot of the men do. So it would it be very possible to get things built and fixed. They have all the materials there. Just generally, Bob, I don't know. I've never been to the Amazon, <clears throat> but generally in that kind of environment, uh, concrete block is usually very prevalent just because all the bugs and the, the moisture and, and things like that. So, I don't know. And mold, yeah. yeah. Okay, anybody else? Yes, ma'am. I love Brazilian yeah. breakfast. And we can even tie that in with that other question on there, yeah, too. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, so for a typical Brazilian breakfast, they will eat, um, they have a lot of fresh baked breads that they'll make. So kind of like a French bread, it's like a little roll. They have it with like ham and cheese, and then sometimes they'll have like a sweet bread, kind of like a coffee cake. Um, and then sometimes they'll actually have soups. And so they'll have like a fish soup or a chicken noodle soup. They have a lot of soups with their breakfast in the morning. Yeah, I like I love their fresh baked bread though. It's very very good there. Okay, when when she was in Brazil, just a few months about a month ago, mm -hmm. she put a picture up on Facebook that they were eating piranha, right? Yes, sir. That is the second time I've had piranha. It's it's a good fish. It's like a little white fish, but it's very bony. So you have to be very patient to get all the bones out. But the only issue is they don't cut the head off. And so if you want piranha, <laughs> you have to watch it watching you because it's staring up at you with its little eyes and its little mouth. And so it's it's a and little you feel yeah. a little bit guilty eating it because you feel like it's watching you the whole time. Oh. Um, So a lot of the villages, they just vary. Um, some of the villages can be very, very small, but other ones are more of like a small town. It just kind of depends how old they are, how well established they are, um, how much money they have. If they have money, they'll they'll have nicer roads and they'll have nicer buildings and it'll be more established. Um, but we've seen kind of both. We've seen some villages that are very small, very dirty. Everything is broken. Everything is dirty. Everything is, you know, very poor living conditions. But, you know, just an hour down the river, you'll have a really nice village that's very well kept. So it kind of depends on the money and then the people living there um, and how long they've lived there. What is your greatest need? Okay, can I, I want to add to that question a, a little bit. Um, because I've been a missionary. Uh, I, I, I know what it was like traveling as a family. Uh, as a missionary, and one of the things that I wanted to, her to talk about, because one of the things we need to do as a church is pray for her. 
and so I want her to answer this question, uh, what is it like to travel as a single female? Uh, because there are needs, and there are a lot of needs. Um, so if you could kind of answer her question along with all of that, it would help, I think, help us better pray for her. Sure. Um, so a lot of my meetings have been kind of all over the place. When I first started deputation, I had this grand plan of I will start in Nevada, I will work in California, I will stay you know, close enough that I can drive to everywhere. Um, my first meeting I got was a Spanish missions conference in Texas. And so God very much has kind of taken my plan and just kind of dumped it all out. So I've been traveling a lot by plane because a lot of my meetings have been very far apart to the point where I cannot get there by driving in time to make the meetings. And so as a single missionary, it's been a little bit different. Um, I've done some driving, but a lot of my traveling has been more by planes. And so it's been a lot of airports, a lot of really early flights, a lot of really late flights, a lot of layovers. Um, and thankfully, like this last story I told the children was this was the first time I've ever had any luggage actually get miss go missing for extended periods of time. So it's been a huge blessing that God's kept all my um, belongings together, my you know my display table stuff has never gotten lost or stolen. Um, so as far as traveling, I've done a lot by flying and by plane. And so it's been kind of a blessing because it you know it's better than driving 13 hours in a car. But at the same time, it can be very stressful being in airports alone and getting, you know, to your gates alone. Um, and then just with the issue of, you know, the rides after the airport, like how am I, you know, am I going to rent a car? Am I going to Uber? Am I going to get a ride from the airport to where I'm staying? So it's just been a lot of planning and a lot of steps, you know, for every single trip that I've had. Um, as far as needs go, my greatest personal need would just be prayer for my health. Um, I tend to get ear infections very, very easily. Um, I have some other health things. I don't like to talk about it, but I don't always feel very well. And so traveling alone can be very stressful because you don't necessarily have somebody, you know, helping you keep track of your health, helping you feel better, um, encouraging you, making sure you're doing okay, um, you know, helping with luggage, that type of thing. So just for physical health, I take a lot of vitamin C. I try to really guard my health, but I would really appreciate prayers for just health and feeling well and energy to get to all the different points that I have to get to. Um, for ministry needs, though, I work still very closely with my mission board for the short-term trips. I actually have some flyers. Um, my mission board does about four trips to the Amazon every summer, and they update this list every year. So we have two more trips planned for this year, and then next year it'll start over again. Um, but I still work very closely with them. I try to go on missions trips with them, even with deputation. So like this last trip that I went on, it was between deputation meetings, so I was able to go. I have another trip planned with them this September. Um, we'll be going back again for more of the medical um, ministry with the missionaries there. Um, so the greatest ministry need I have right now is um, I am collecting, you know, the medical items, um, any type of donation for the trip. We just found out that most of our medical devices, so like the thermometers, the blood pressure cuffs, because of the humidity and the heat, those usually will break by the end of the trip. So we are collecting right now to just get new blood pressure cuffs, new thermometers, new things for this upcoming trip because we kind of have to start over pretty regularly because the humidity just destroys the batteries and things. So I am collecting for those trips just to, um, to keep that momentum going throughout deputation. I like to keep going on these trips and helping provide for that. 
to say something about the old chief getting some... Yes, I can share that if you'd like. Yeah, please. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what Pastor was asking me to share was um, there's a very specific village that is very precious to me. It's the village of San Martin. And this village was actually one of the villages I went to on the very first time I went to the Amazon. So back in 2019, I went to this village. At the time, I didn't know all of the story then because... Um, I just did it because I was just very caught up in the momentum and the excitement of everything. But this village actually has a pretty violent history. So this village, about a year or two years previous to that, um, there was a national pastor and some of his workers. They actually got chased out of that village by machetes by some very angry religious leaders in that village. So this village is very indigenous. It's home to the Tacuna tribe. And so these aren't just Brazilians. This is a native tribe of Amazonian Indians that have grown up there. So they, previous to 2019, they were very violent, very hostile. They did not want outsiders. Um, so if you fast forward two years after a lot of just patience and really working with them and really trying to build that relationship, our group was able to get an invitation to go in 2019. So that's the year that I got to go. And at the time, again, I didn't know all this at the moment, but looking back, I can kind of see and understand it better. But this village in 2019, it was a turning point. At that point, the village leadership was so thankful for the medical clinic. They were so um, kind of won over by just you know seeing how we were able to help them. They allowed us to share the gospel for the first time and really um, you know not just do the medical side, but also really get the spiritual in there. So in 2019, it was a great turning point for this village. And so this last trip that I was on in June, we went back to that same village of San Martin, and this village has two special people in it. So the first person, his name is Juan. He is actually a Catholic priest for that village. That is his village. He's grown up there. That's his home. He's been a Catholic priest specifically for that village. He was actually one of the people that was chasing out the national pastor with machetes. That was his band that he was leading up. Looking back, you know, in 2017-16, he was completely against the group, completely against outsiders, did not want anything to do with the gospel. And in his mind, you know, he's protecting his village. He is the religious leader protecting his people. So now this last trip, we got to meet Juan for the first time. He was actually too sick to even come to our clinic. Um, some of the men told some of our um, leaders that, you know, we have a gentleman. He's really, really sick. He knows he's dying. Um, he, you know, there's no, he doesn't think there's any point in even coming because he knew that he was too sick for, you know, any help that we could give. But he would like somebody to come talk to him. So some of the missionary men, they were able to go and actually visit him where he was living in his little hut. And they got to witness to him. And at the time, they had no idea that he was part of that group of people that had chased out the national pastor. They didn't even really know he was the Catholic priest. They just knew that he was a very sick, very old gentleman that was by himself. He was very scared because he knew he was going to die soon and that there was nothing he could do about it. So they talked to him for a couple hours. And so Juan actually got saved this last June. And so after he got saved, you know, he starts telling our men, like, hey, you remember that time you that the national pastor got chased out? Like, that was something I had promoted. That was something I had been part of. And, you know, he's telling us all these things. He's telling us, you know, he was the Catholic priest. You know, he's been a Catholic his entire life. And so now, you know, at the end of his life, God 
has made a way for him to get the gospel. It was not too late. God had not given up on him. God knew exactly who he was, where he was living, how much time he had left. And so it was such a blessing because, you know, if we had not had that medical clinic back then to really get that relationship going so we could come back again, and if we had not had the medical clinic this last June, you know, I don't know if Juan had, would have gotten another chance to hear the gospel. And so it's really encouraging for me that, you know, Juan didn't necessarily benefit from the medical clinic. You know, we don't have, you know, the medicine and the care to give that type of medical assistance to somebody who's dying. And, you know, there's only so much you can do. But because we were there, you know, our missionary men got to actually go to Juan where he was at and really minister to him. And so it's just very precious to me how medicine can be that tool to open doors for so much more spiritual assistance than anything we can provide with just, you know, pills and medicine and that type of thing. Um, the second part of that story, real quick, is um, not only in that village did we meet Juan, but we met a little boy. Um, I actually got to see this as one of my patients. So a family comes in, and the parents are talking, and I'm talking to them through a translator. And the parents are telling me that their little boy, when he was a year and a half, fell into an open fireplace. And so I'm looking at this little boy, and he looks pretty normal. He doesn't look like he's, you know, he's not scarred or disfigured on his face. He looks like a normal little guy. But his parents start taking off his shirt and his pants and everything, and I start seeing all these horrible, horrible scars all over him. He is a tiny little guy, but he is covered from basically the chest down in horrible, horrible scar tissue, and it's not... So as a nurse, you know, scar tissue can be healthy because it can be... it can be shaped and it can be um, flexible and it, it won't limit the body. But because this little boy had gotten no medical care, the scarring had formed very badly and there were spots that you could tell were still infected. And, you know, he's, this happened when he was a year and a half. He's now three years old and he's lived, you know, his whole little young life with this horrible injury and he's got, you know, parts that are still infected and you could tell he's not well. But as I'm looking at this little boy, I'm thinking to myself, you know, God kept this little guy alive. In America, if a little child had gotten burned that severely, they would have gone to a burn center. They would have spent a lot of time in, you know, even the ICU, the pediatric ICU. He would have gotten a lot of physical therapy. He would have gotten a lot of medication. All of these things that we know you need if you get really badly burned. You know, he's a little boy living in the jungle. He should have died of infection. He should have died of dehydration from losing all that water. But God kept that little boy alive. I don't know how he did it. The little boy is actually doing very, very well physically. You know, he looked completely normal until he lost his shirt. And so for me, it was very special seeing how God kept that little boy safe and alive and helped him recover from that horrible injury when, you know, in my mind as a nurse, I don't think he should have survived. Logically, he was too injured. I don't know how he survived. But the long story of that is the parents at that time, we were able to leave them an antibiotic that he needed so he could help with some of those infected spots. But the best part of that story is a pastor that was working with us. He's a national pastor. He goes to that village very regularly. He's working on starting a church there and getting that church off the ground. And again, this is a very indigenous village. A very um, The Takuna people have a lot of bad traditions, a lot of really abusive practices. It's a very dark community. But he's really working on getting a church started there. So he was able to meet the parents and meet the little boy, and he's planning on following up with them very closely, not only to make sure that little boy is getting the medicine, but he really is looking for an opportunity to help win the parents to Christ. And so, you know, I think about, you know, maybe God kept that little boy alive 
because he knew that those parents needed a chance to get the gospel. If he had never gotten hurt, you know, I don't know if they'd ever would have come to our clinic, but they came because, you know, our child was hurt. Can you please give us something for that? So I, I don't have an end story for that specific family, but I do know that that pastor is going to be following up with them very closely because he wants them to have that opportunity to get saved. And so it's very precious that, you know, God kept that little boy alive. And, you know, I have no idea what that little boy is going to do one day, but he is a miracle. And so I'm, I look at all the little kids here and I think about that little boy a lot still. <clears throat> okay. Any other questions? Sean. Um, it's really, really bad. So because we're on the border of Colombia, um, the Amazon's actually a major trade route for drug trafficking and human trafficking. Um, so it's a very dark place as far as that goes. It's actually worse on the Colombian side. I was told um, the Colombian government just went through a really bad presidential election that affected a lot of the um, cartel leadership. So the Colombian side is worse than the Brazilian side, but it's a very dark place right now. Um, for me personally, there's a lot of practical things I do for safety. I've never had a scary incident. I've never had any type of threats. I've never been robbed. I've never had any issues with that. Um, a lot of it is just being very wise. So we only go to villages that the national pastors recommend that we go to because they know kind of the undercurrent. There's been many times where at the last minute they'll tell us, hey, we're not going to go to those villages today. We're going to go to these ones. We know that something kind of shady is going down over there. So a lot of it, God's just given our leaders a lot of wisdom as far as where we go, when we go there. And then just being in the small town of Tabachinga, it's very safe during the day. I know the missionary wives have no problem doing their grocery shopping and getting around. So again, it's just a lot of wisdom as far as, you know, what time of day you're going out, where you're going, and that type of thing. Okay, and did I say hand over here, Bob? Um, the pharmacies in the Amazon, they do have some ph small pharmacies that we can purchase medications at. So a lot of antibiotics we purchase there. We, got, we buy a lot of anti-parasites, um, anti-fungals, um, a lot of vitamins. Because the pharmacies there, they're open. So you can walk in and ask for many, many things. And as long as you have the money, you can get it. You don't need a prescription. Um, but some things we do bring from the states, and right now it's strictly on a donation basis. So a lot of churches will donate specifically for the trips. Um, they'll donate either money or funds or specific items that we're looking for. And so we just bring it with us when we go. Hmm. Yes. Um, there's actually um, the... The individual who helps oversee the stock for each trip, he sent me a link for the different um, models that we need. And these ones are very specific because they tend to work better than some other brands. So I do have the information for what type of blood pressure cuffs and all of that. And you can actually buy them off of Amazon. They're not expensive, really, if you compare them to you know other stuff. It's very reasonable to buy. Um, I have, I believe I'm on my 10th state since October. Um, so God's been really good. I've been to, I want to say, almost 20 churches since then. Okay. Can you tell us <clears throat> where you are support-wise? Yes. 
and how much you need and percentage-wise and so on and so forth. Yes, so I'm at about 33% of the specific goal that I have. And that goal I had created with my field director. So BIMI, they have a field director for each major continent. So the South American director, him and his family were missionaries there. They know exactly you know, what the cost of living is like, um, housing, transportation, um, and different things like that. So when I started missions, I sat down with them and they gave me a specific number that um, I need to reach. And a big portion of the percent that I'm raising is actually ministry expenses. So a lot of the support I'll be giving will be going directly to helping that medical clinic get established, helping with ministry expenses, helping with like if I start a Bible club, the expenses that will go into that. Um, so only a small portion of what I'm actually raising out of my total support level will just be for you know personal salary housing that type of thing a lot of it will be ministry related yeah, so 33 it? it is just over four thousand dollars okay will you need a car when you're in the state or in in brazil um i will need a car in brazil but i am actually um there's two options you can either do a car um, or you can do like a moped motorcycle type of thing and they're actually the motorcycle mopeds are actually safer than the cars Because the streets there are very very bad. They're very narrow. They're very uneven. There's no stop signs. There's no traffic lights um, Everyone just kind of does what they want It's actually really funny to watch but with a motorcycle or moped and again These are slow moving you're going maybe about 10 or 15 miles an hour at max it's actually safer to be on a motorcycle or moped because you can kind of maneuver better than a car and less chance of you crashing and hitting somebody else. Any other questions? Um, it's pretty easy. There's a lot of little shops um, in the area. Um, the main issue would be I'd have to bring a helmet with me from the States because their helmets there are not safety checked. Um, they look really, really cool, but they're not safe. So you, you can get the motorcycle, moped, whatever there, but um, I was recommended if I'm going to do that to bring my own helmet with me because it's safety checked in the in the States here. Yeah. Yes. Um, once my support is raised, I'll be spending the first year in Brazil, in Sao Paulo. It's one of the major cities, and it has some really good missionary churches there. They actually have a language school out of one of their churches, and so I'll be working in that church for ministry, and then I'll be going to language school full-time for at least the first year. Okay. Brandon? Um, I believe that their money, they do the Brazilian AI, it's about four to one, but it does fluctuate. So right now the dollar is worth quite a bit, but um, I've heard that it does tend to shift pretty easily. It's fairly, it's fairly cheap. So like if I'm going to go out to, you know, go out to eat, I can go out to eat for very, very cheap compared to going out to eat in the States. Um, the major expense would just be like cost of living for like housing and then um, all the expenses that come with that. That would be the main expense. Um, food and other things are fairly cheap to get. They have little drug stores and different things that are fairly cheap to use. Okay, Candy? Yes. Um, so there are safer places in Tabachinga. They call them gated communities, but they are, they're not like Damani Ranch in Reno. They're not gated like that. They're not wealthy, but they are safer. So I'll be living, um, I plan to live alone, but in one of those areas, because they're safer and there's a lot of things you can do to keep your house safe from being broken into. 
Okay, one more question for me. Do you have to sleep under a net? I plan to um, because you for short-term trips, I usually will do like malaria prophylaxis. Like there's certain antibiotics you can take. Um, I use a lot of like, you know, I use a lot of essential oils specifically for mosquitoes because they don't like tea tree. They don't like eucalyptus. I use a lot of mosquito repellent. But when I'm actually living down there, um, I won't be taking the malaria prophylaxis because you can't take it long term. So, yes, I'll be doing mosquito nets and all of the things to try to stay healthy. Yeah. I don't understand that at all. Okay. Okay. Let me let me explain what deputation is. Okay. Deputation is is really really simple. It, it basically what it is is a, a a missionary travels to multiple churches doing what she's doing now, um, asking for financial support, uh, and in turn building a relationship with those churches so that they can then not only f uh, financially support her, but then pray for her and support her that way as well. And then the, there will be many churches she visits that will not be able to financially support, but can pray and maybe even find people in the church that will go down and be a part of mission trips and so on and so forth. So deputation is a process of getting to the missionary to getting to know the churches to get prayer support. There, there are some denominations out there that the churches pay into a cooperative uh, for missionaries, and then when a person um, gets the call to missions, they just send them. Uh, the 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 downside to that is they they have the financial support, but they don't have the prayer support. And and having been a missionary and knowing a lot of missionaries. The very first thing that a missionary will tell you, the most important thing uh, a missionary needs is prayer. prayer. So the, dip, the deputation process is a kind of a lengthy process, but it is a, it's a great exercise of faith uh, for the missionary, but it is, it is a, it's, it's a relationship-building process. Does that make sense? Yeah. No. Okay. 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 BIMI. Okay. I, I can explain this because I've been there. I, I was a BIMI missionary too. And BIMI has what they call uh, um, um, uh, a deputation school. Uh, is that right? Canada school. Canada school. And it's it, it's one summer or one week for two for two years. Of, okay, and they they teach you the legalities of missions and and so on and so forth. And but BIMI is the send is the 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 financial clearinghouse, if you would, so that churches from all over the United States can then send their money to one place. They will then take that, those monies and then distribu distribute them to her. But then she also has a, a network of people within that organization to help not only hold her accountable, but also be a protector as well. Um, because this, this um, well, okay, the, the BIMI is so large and they, are, they have so many missionaries. Last I heard it was well over 1,000. Um, are right at a thousand um, all over the world. If if war were to break out in Brazil, they have they have resources to be able to extract her. 
Does that make sense? I do. Yeah, she so does. So BIMI, yeah. they give us a list of churches that have either donated in the last couple years or so in all the different states. And so I use that, but I also use some other resources where I physically have to send emails, I physically call, I physically have to make connection with a church and basically ask them, you know, this is who I am, this is what I'm doing, this is who I'm with. Well, are you comfortable? Would you like me to come visit your church? I can present my ministry. And if they say yes, then I have to figure out a time frame. And so sometimes they'll have a missions conference specific times of the year, which I can plan for. But sometimes it's just, hey, we have this open Sunday in August. Are you able to come? Right. And so a lot of it is kind of um, you have to kind of look at the sacrifice. So is it feasible for me to get here? You know, are they really able to really, you know, give me a meeting opportunity? Because it is a balance. You don't want to feel like you're begging and bothering people, but you do have to be pretty um, aggressive, <laughs> assertive as far as like there's pastors that I know that I've, I've called and emailed them multiple, multiple times just to get them to call back. And, and, and I an was answer. one of those. <laughs> um, so Reno's actually not been where most of my meetings have been. So I have this church here. I have um, two other churches, no, excuse me, three other churches in the Reno, Nevada area that I've been able to present at or I'm planning to present at. Most of the churches I've been at have been in Texas or like the Bible Belt area. And then like this last trip I was on, some of you know, I was in Alaska. I had three churches. So I was there for a Sunday, Wednesday, Sunday. And I just, that was my week in Alaska to try to get those meetings in. And I had actually made those meetings way back in like November of last year. So sometimes it does take a long time to get, you know, kind of your foot in the door and get those meetings made. Yeah, sweetie. Yeah, we have said to mail them. <laughs> yeah. Call and email and call and email and try and get pastors to let you in. You think that sounds hard, and it is, but deputation, it's a proving ground. Right. And that's what I wanted to add earlier, yeah. See, one of right. Well, one of the, one of the things that I've experienced as as a missionary and as a pastor is is missionaries that, for lack of better terms, fight their way to the field. When hard times come on the field, they stay. They don't quit and come home. Does that make sense? Um, so, you know, it, it is all part of it. It's it's just it's just part of and it. And deputation yeah. is nice because, you know, I'm not just out, you know, begging for money. I'm out being able to, you know, I get to go to VBSs sometimes. I get to go to children's ministries, and so everything I'm doing here is practice for what I'm going to do in Brazil. So, like my children's lessons I do here, you know, one day I'm going to be teaching children there. And so deputation is all about practicing, getting to know people, getting to know how to talk to all different types of people, um, how to be flexible because plans can change so quickly. So it's like they're saying, you know, deputation is all about, you know, 
not just proving yourself, but God, you know, working in you. So like that basket, he's taking all types of things out of me because he wants to put better things in me. But he's got to clean out the basket and get me in a teachable position. And deputation makes you teachable. Or it should make you teachable. If you're yeah, it should. Right. Yes. Yeah. Okay, quickly. Uh, we're, we're like late. Huh? Oh, uh, you asked an age? Well, I guess a woman can do that. Uh, yeah. I am 27. I'll be 28 in July. This you month. should have just said below 30. I've, I've learned not to ask people to guess. Like I've asked children before, oh, guess how old Miss Sarah is. I've gotten anything from 16 to 48. So I'm fine with it. It's okay. Okay. All right. Let's go ahead and, and wrap this up. Um, Bob, are you guys ready for the offering? Um, uh, <clears throat> she, she said that she does not beg for money, uh, uh, and she shouldn't. Uh, that's my job, uh, to beg for her. Um, so be generous in your, in your giving tonight. Um, and every